Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday edition of the Orange Report with Mike and Matt. The Longhorns are 2-0, and we're traveling to California this week, hopefully for a little redemption after the 45-44 extra point debacle last season. How's it going tonight, Matt? Doing great. Looking forward to this weekend, Mike. Absolutely. And I tell you what, if, 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 if the listeners could, if we were on Periscope or one other um, – one of them live um, broadcast things, um, the listeners would see my face at about completely blood red right now. Um, I've actually got three different laptops open. Um, my main laptop that I use for the, um, um, for the uh, podcast, um, I had it set for no updates, nothing to happen on it. Um, and, of course, right at 7.56, um, Windows decides to send a massive update to my laptop, and it froze up, and so I switched over to another one, and now I've got a backup going. So it's just amazing how well technology works until right before the podcast. I've just never seen anything like it. Luckily luckily for me, though, I have a 17-year-old computer whiz that came in here, and so, man, I look like I'm running NASA in here about right now. But uh, apparently we are up and running. We are live, so... That is awesome. So thanks to my 17-year-old computer whiz son um, solving all these issues, and I'm turning over the main laptop to him and let, tell him to turn off or do whatever we need to do to <laughs> make sure this doesn't happen again. It's just unbelievable. I'm sitting there working on the laptop, getting everything ready, and like eight minutes before the show, it seems like every week something happens with it. It's just I've never seen anything like it. It must be an omen that I must just, Need to just go sit on the couch and not do podcasts anymore, but that's a different story. Well, I'm excited about our guest tonight. Coming on in just a few minutes, we've got um, Mr. McGill um, from Bear Insider. We've never had anybody on from their site. I'm really excited about having him on. Uh, uh, he's going to offer a lot of stuff. Um, they're they're a pay site that covers cow. They do have some free boards. I went over there and. Um, and, and I guess the way I found them is I saw some links to some of their uh, their Texas stories and Cal stories um, last week, you know, previewing the game. And I thought, man, I really like I really like what those guys are saying. And so I thought, man, I'm I'm going to have to get them on. So I sent them an email, kind of went back and forth with them. Didn't know if it was going to work, but um, luckily uh, he was able to get on, and he'll be on with us in just a few minutes, Matt. And I am really really uh, excited about getting him on, Jim McGill from Bear Insider. So, Matt, before he comes on in just a minute, and, and the thing of it is, he's actually going to be have to step out. He's actually had a big cow-bear um, engagement tonight. He's one of the main speakers. So um, he's going to step outside, come on for about 15, 20 minutes, and give us a preview. But so while we're waiting on, um, on him to get on, I just wanted to see if you had any, any you know, quick words on, on UTEP and how does it feel to be 2-0, and and I guess how does it really feel to – to be on a positive upswing, I mean, we know we're going to have some tough, some tough games ahead, but, you know, it's exciting times uh, knowing that our football team is at least competitive and good again. Yeah, I mean, going into the UTEP game, I really expected uh, with some of the guys out on the line, uh, getting some rest, that uh, we might be a little sleepy. We started slow, but I was really impressed with the defense. I know UTEP only had their second-string quarterback out there, but – uh, I thought it was a sign of a little more maturity uh, that, you know, 
we took care of business and it was pretty dull and workmanlike, which is I think what you look for uh, in a game after such a huge win uh, to go one and zero. So that leads into this week, which will be another test to see if these guys are growing up. You know, first road game, night game on the road uh, over in California. It'll be a different atmosphere. It'll be hostile. Um, so, you know, looking for that same kind of attitude when we roll out there late Saturday night. Absolutely. And, and you know, for our listeners, um, I know there's going to be a big a big contingent of, of Longhorn Nation traveling out there. Me and my co-host, Matt, are going to be making the trip. He's actually leaving for, for, for California tomorrow, and I'm actually going to be on the, road, um, on the plane Friday, Friday morning. But I know, I know Jim's got a, uh, another engagement. He's on the line, so we don't want to keep him waiting. So without further ado, we got Jim McGill from Bear Insider joining the Orange Report. Jim, welcome to the Orange Report tonight. Thanks, guys. How you doing? Man, we're doing great. Um, I know you've got another engagement, so, you know, we're not going to keep you long. But uh, I definitely want our listeners and your listeners to, to learn a little bit about the Cal Bears. And, and obviously, it's a, it's a much different team than what we saw last year. Um, y'all pretty much uh, retooled the starting lineup. A lot of new players. You're one and one Got a big win against Hawaii. Had a tough defeat last year against San Diego State. So, based on all the new players, um, what can the Longhorn fans expect to see? And I guess let's just start with the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Webb's the the, the new face of the offense. But other than him, what are some other guys we can look for on offense um, this weekend? Well, the the main newcomers besides Webb are the receivers. The the top six receivers all graduated and a bunch of them are in the NFL or on practice squad. So there's a real talented young group that have come in to take their place. I think that probably the most dynamic receivers that you'll see will be Chad Hansen, who got some playing time last year, but I think he was about seventh in receptions. He's leading the nation in, in receiving this year so far. Um, freshman Demetrius Robertson is a real blazer, super athletic and uh, Brandon Singleton's a, a, a talented player who redshirted last year. He missed last week with injury, but he's back healthy. There's, uh, there's a lot of good receiving options out there now. And uh, another good one is Melquise Stovall, who's the Army All-American, already has a touchdown and I believe eight receptions this year so far. Real speedy, shifty guy, too. You know, um, obviously the, the Longhorns got a new starting quarterback. Um, you know, Swoops is still playing a little bit in, in the specialty package. Herds is um, Herds moved the wide receiver and off to a good start. Um, you know, what what is the what is the Cal um, defense um, looking like um, when when they face up against a, a definitely a different looking um, Texas offense this year? The defense has definitely been Cal's Achilles' heel so far, especially tackling the front seven have really been gashed by both opponents' running games so far. The teams that they've played haven't been big power back teams like Texas has. You know, um, it's going to be quite a load trying to handle Swoop and Warren and Foreman and all these big boys you throw out there at them. That'll be a, an interesting challenge. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to a different type of a back. But it's been pretty rough on the run defense so far. The defensive backfield's been pretty solid. Um, that hasn't been an area of weakness so far, but Bouchelle's a good quarterback. You've got some speedy receivers, so that'll be interesting to see how they stack up in that matchup too. What, what, what seems to be the pulse of the, of the Cal fan base? I've kind of been perusing some different boards, and, and I, I mean, it seems to be that I guess the heat is starting to turn up a little bit on, on Sunny. Um, I mean, you're more plugged in, obviously, to Cal football than I am. But, you know, like I said, just cruising around, it looks like there seems to be a, a, a little fire brewing that, you know, he's maybe getting on the hot seat. What, what's your take on him? Fans are pretty high, uh, fired up right now. Um, they were expecting to beat San Diego, or excuse me, Hawaii pretty handily in the opener. And seeing them score 31 really uh, got some people concerned. San Diego State, um, everybody knew they'd be a, a, a pretty tough opponent, especially on the road, but nobody was really thinking that a loss would be acceptable and seeing the defense gashed like it was really has some people frustrated right now. Um, so, yeah, th- there's, there's some heat. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that he's on the hot seat at this point. It would take a, 
a really bad year for that to be the case. But there's there's discontent with the way the team looked the first two games for sure. Yeah. What what are a couple things you think that Cal really needs to do offensively and defense? Um, you know, to, to get out of there with a win this weekend. I think they need to see show some better um, run pass balance. They they came into the year this year with new offensive coordinator Jake Spavito and, and, and Sonny Dykes both saying they, they wanted to have a little bit more balance in the running and passing game, but because they got behind against San Diego State, they threw 71 times last week. That's not going to work against Texas. There needs to be more balance there. They have a pretty good running game and a veteran offensive line, so no reason to not not go to the run more unless the UT stacks the box like San Diego State did in the first half. They need to have more balance, I think. Um, Webb needs to be a little bit more poised. He got a little rattled in the second half, and the pick six he threw in, in the, from the nine-yard line was a real rough one. He, he has to avoid mental mistakes like that. The defense really has to tackle better. They have to contain a lot better. Um, if they can contain the running game and, and make it – more of a, a Bouchelle versus a defense game. I think to give themselves a little bit better chance, but it's going to be a real challenge. These are, these, as you say, these are two different teams this year than faced each other last year. Matt, go ahead and jump in real quick. Yeah, I mean, uh, one question. Just, I mean, got to talk the schedule. Uh, you know, Hawaii has obviously been, uh, you know, struggling with travel after coming back from Australia. I guess Cal had the benefit of, you know, a week off. Uh, whereas Hawaii had to go straight to Michigan, but then going on the road. So uh, what's the feel from the program just about kind of the oddball start to the schedule? I know, you know, a program like Cal is going to make excuses like maybe a Hawaii might, but uh, what's what's the feeling now that you're finally getting your first home game here in September? Well, the players seem to regain their um, sort of normal routine by about Thursday after being back. So, Really, the, the Sydney trip shouldn't have had any impact on San Diego State, and it absolutely shouldn't have any impact whatsoever against Texas. Um, Hawaii, boy, they, they really got royally screwed. I mean, going to Sydney to play a game is already a big adjustment, but coming home to Hawaii for two days and then flying just as far to Michigan as they flew to Sydney without any time off, that's insane. I think yeah. Cal's back to normal. I feel bad for Hawaii, though. That, that's got to be the most brutal back-to-back in history. Well, hey, um, you know, obviously, you know, um, Texas fans travel well. Uh, me and my co-host, Matt, are coming in. We expect a big tech, uh, big Texas contingent there um, Saturday night. Uh, what can Texas fans um, expect from um, being in um, Bear Stadium, being around Berkeley, things to do, just kind of overall experience? What can we look forward to? I think the fans, they'll find the fans at Memorial to be um, pretty hospitable. Um, the Texas fans were great when, when Cal visited out there last year, and I think they can expect the same reception here. Um, Berkeley's kind of a funky place. It's a little bit similar to Austin, but a, a little more urban. Um, obviously, San Francisco is really close, and, and that's an awesome draw. There's so many things to do in the Bay Area. I think this is a, a great vacation football game combo road trip. It, it should be a great one for Texas fans. Well, let me just ask you, you know, obviously, um, you know, expansion talk is always on, on the horizon. You know, we don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. Me and Matt are under, under the belief that at some point Texas and OU are going to be gone. Um, you know, being, being out, obviously the pack has been in conversation. How do you think Texas would be received if somehow we did end up in the pack at some point? Well, the farther we get away from 2004, the better the reception will be, I think. Um, yeah. You know the whole animosity with Mac Brown thing with the, the lobbying for the votes, and I know that Texas fans feel like that didn't really have an impact on Texas and Cal trading places, but you have to understand Cal fans are so desperate to get back to the Rose Bowl and to have an outside team come in and, and uh, take their spot at the last minute it was a real rough one to get over. So, um, you know, I, I think at this point in time, enough time has passed where I think it would be a, a pretty good reception from, from Cal fans. But I don't know that, um, that many want to see the league become that much tougher. It would be that much tougher to get back to the Rose Bowl with those two programs, especially being in it. Right. 
Well, I know you've got the other speaking engagement, and I know I got with y'all late in the week. And I, I just, I mean, I, I'm, seriously, I really appreciate it. I'm going to put you on the spot. Go ahead and give me a score prediction. Well, I expect uh, pretty much a barn burner. Um, I'll go with 54-44 Texas. All right. Well, Jim, we really appreciate it. Um, um, I'll send you all the rest of the links to everything. We were on live tonight. So, um, I, like I said, I really appreciate you all coming out at the last minute. Good stuff. And um, um, are you going to be at the game? Yes, for sure. All right, well, I'll tweet at you. Maybe we can meet up outside the stadium and shake hands and meet, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, and have a great evening. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's Jim McGill from Bear Insider joining the Orange Report with a little cow talk. Wanted to keep him on a little longer, but like I said, he's at a big cow alumni event, and he is actually one of the speakers and, and had to step out of the room. So we really appreciate him coming on, give us, giving us some quick insights. Like I said, they've got some good stories up over there. Um, uh, I'm not disagreeing with his score. I don't think we're going to give up 44. Uh, but since he mentioned 55, uh, I mean, I wanted to give our score prediction at the end of the game. Uh, but I'll go ahead and give mine now since he did. I'm at 55-20 uh, Texas. Uh, I, think, um, I think we're going to force Cal to be one-dimensional. I think we're going to be able to throw some exotic blitzes at them. Webb's going to have some turnovers. Cal's going to have some turnovers. And probably the key to the game, I just don't see how there's any way that Cal's going to slow down our offense. If we don't turn the ball over, uh, I mean, I, I look for Foreman to rush to close to 150. I look for um, everybody else to, to, to have big games. I just think we're going to be able to control the clock. We may not even have to um, – to, to do a whole lot. So, um, you know, I would, you know, I, I, I just think, I just think our ground came based on what I saw them against Hawaii and what I saw against San Diego state. So I'm going 55, 20. Um, and I think, I think it'll probably be about 45 to seven, 14, and then they'll get a late touchdown against reserve. Uh, Matt, how do you see it playing out? Well, it's really funny. I've been thinking about it all week and, uh, my number for Texas was somewhere around 54, 55. And I've been shocked, like, looking at uh, some of the Texas message boards where they, you know, predict the scores for every game. How many people are right in that number, right where Jim was, where you are, where I am? It's, it makes, makes me a little nervous, actually, that, uh, yeah. I mean, within, like, one or two points, everybody's kind of chalking that up, that it's really a question of, you know, Texas will outscore Cal. I think, uh, you know, before I get into my score, I think the real keys are just like any time you go on the road night game, uh, you got to start strong. So, you know, I think that's where the running game is huge. I, I'm, a, I'm with you. I, I'll be shocked if Cal is really able to successfully uh, slow down the running game. I think the only, only way that it could happen is if, you know, disaster strikes early if we've got turnovers, the kinds of things you definitely do not want to do to feed a Saturday night home crowd that's looking for an upset. Uh, you know, in a scenario like that, I think uh, I think it could be a problem. Uh, I think we'll have a little bit of trouble with their passing attack early. I think they're going to come out. Uh, you know, you have a little bit of a of the cornered dog syndrome here where, you know, yeah, they are one and one, but they kind of looked a little flat against Hawaii lost the tough one to San Diego State. So this is a this is a huge game for them to try to get back uh, feeling good about themselves. So I, I feel like Cal will, will come out really strong early, and they may even score a couple touchdowns early. But uh, I think if we don't panic and don't turn the ball over and stick to the running game, uh, I'm going to drop my number just a little bit, and I'm going to say uh, 50 uh, to 31 Texas at the final. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I tend to agree with you because it's a young team, late start, road travel, and my gut kind of tells me that. But my eyes and what I'm seeing with this team, I somewhat disagree. I just see a very right. focused team that's playing with an attitude that has a, just has a different look to it. And I think they're, I think they're a little pissed off about last year and it doesn't feel good, and I think Strong has got the type of player, those guys that, you know, we've been talking about now for two and a half, three years that love ball, and they're just not happy about being a laughing stock. and I think they're on a mission. I think we're going to come out there and and punch Cal right in the face and send a message. I just think this team is different. Um, well, um, so, I, I'm um, with you there, you know, Mike. I, I think that if, if Texas had 
I mean, yeah, we, we didn't score a lot early against UTEP, but, I mean, had we really farted around and, you know, say we beat UTEP 38-20 or something like that and, and looked a little sloppy on defense at times, uh, I would be very, very nervous about this game. But I'm with you. Right. Uh, I, I'm much less nervous about Cal once I saw the way they responded to um, to, no, to the post-Notre Dame game. And then, yeah, Cal should have our full attention. There is absolutely no excuse after last year for this team to overlook Cal. And first of all, it's Cal. It's a, it's a, it's a Power 5 program. Secondly, you know, you're only a seven- or eight-point favorite, so it's not like we're playing, you know, St. Mary's out there. Uh, this is a team that can definitely come up and get you. So I, I do think this team will be focused, um, and and that's why I think they'll you know they may they may suffer a couple of surprises early, but I'm not as nervous about this game as I may have been. You know, if you asked me right after Notre Dame, uh, I I would have been still pretty nervous about this trip. Um, and there's no reason for them to be looking ahead to you know Oklahoma State or OU. And we've got the bye week after oh. this, uh, so yeah, I think. It might be a little scary early, but pretty much every Saturday night road trip is. Um, and, I mean, sometimes you settle everything down by the midway through the first quarter. And if our running game's going strong, and if Cal's tackle uh, San Diego State runners, then, you know, they may have a real long day with uh, Foreman and Warren and even down to the uh, other bodies we'll put in there if we do run it, you know, 60 times. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, if you go back to the UTEP game, I mean, you know, we win 41-7. We had some pretty sluggish offensive series. But, I mean, if you looked out there, you know, sometimes we had two, three true freshmen playing offensive line. Had, at one time, yep. six, seven true freshmen uh, playing on defense there in the first, um, fourth quarter. You know, I, I think if we had the, the full offensive line that, that started against Notre Dame, I mean, we probably went about 65-7. to seven. I mean, we came out there, we rested people, and I and, – and I, and I, and, and, so, and I think, you know, most of them are all going to be healthy. So, uh, you know, yeah, Cal's going to play inspired. They're going to be playing at home. They're, they're, they've been hearing all week how they're going to get run over. So they're going to come out there and play some, with some momentum early. But I, I just think our physicality is just going to take over in the speed and the athleticism. Um, you know, I can see it kind of going back and forth for eight or nine minutes. And then Foreman's just going to, you know, is going to be able to break loose because, I mean, he, he's a, he's an NFL caliber back. I mean, you saw what Warren did last week and even the freshman Porter. But, I mean, Foreman just has a, a, a gear and, and an ability that, that that's just, you know, that's just elite. And, and it's still amazing that he was a two-star. But I want to go back and, and a few more points on uh, UTAP and then we'll close it out. You know, a couple couple quick points. You know, what, what, what I, I have seen with this team is I was glad that we were able to play some young guys because obviously this year vital for our success is keeping those top five, six, um, seven offensive linemen healthy because if, um, we're still lacking depth. I mean, this, I mean, it, it became plainly obvious there was a there was a drastic drop off. Now, maybe game eight, nine, and ten when some of these young guys are getting more staff, more snaps, they're going to improve. Um, but, yeah, if we're going to go in against Oklahoma State, OU, the TCUs of the world, even though they struggled, even Baylor, um, we've got to have our top guys ready because it's, it's still a drastic um, drop-off in talent and ability from our top four or five guys down to eight or nine. Uh, now, those eight or nine guys deep in a year or two are going to be absolute studs because of, of, of the evaluation and strong as they're just not ready yet. So that was, that was something, I guess, somewhat concerning is our depth is still not there at offensive line. And then I think another thing that we've still got to do a better job of, we started to see it a little bit against, um, against UTEP, uh, but we, they're, they're still trying to find the right combination with the front four uh, to generate some pressure. And I think that's why you saw Hager get a little more time coming off the edge and then Malcolm Rope. So I think we're going to slowly see that get better. And obviously it's going to be imperative this week uh, with the Cal passing attack. But I look for us to bring Malik. And, and Roach and even Hager off the edge in some exotic blitzes this week because we're still just not generating enough pass rushing uh, ability with the front four. But, you know, again, we're so young there. I just think that's going to take some time to develop. And then obviously missing Foreman was obvious. I mean, Warren, Warren brings a unique dynamic to the, uh, to the table. Uh, but, again, Foreman's just at a different level. So I've already touched on that. And then, what, and then Shane Bouchelle again. My God, freshman newcomer of the year. Um, you know, we're only two games in, but my goodness, he looks like he's been um, playing big-time football, um, you know, his whole life. I mean, he is just so poised. And, I mean, 
the, the decisions he makes and, and that then his deep ball may be the most beautiful thing ever. But I tell you what, the next time he runs zone read and takes off on the run, every time he does it, my heart drops to my knees. Shane, please get down. Please get down. Please get down. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I think we'll all be holding our breath all year. And I, I'm with you on the deep ball. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Um, I mean, you can put that up right now. through two games against – I mean, I'm racking my brain trying to think who Texas has had a quarterback that really is that accurate. I mean – I mean, they've been great catches on some of the touchdowns, but uh, they were put in the perfect position where the receiver has to make a tough catch, but there's no way it's going to get intercepted. And dropping them in like that from that distance is just unbelievable. Uh, I think, you know, with the Foreman-Warren thing, uh, I think what you really have a good opportunity for in this game and then for further on is with a healthy Foreman, uh, that, I wouldn't want to get anywhere near that guy. I think you, you tweeted at one point you wouldn't want to tackle him if you were driving a bus. Uh, but and I wouldn't either. Uh, but you know, I think what you can do for Warren is a, as we saw versus Tech, can be a real home run hitter. And once he gets out in the open field, yeah. I mean, he's gone. And I think what you do is you get Foreman in there to soften it up. Uh, you know, a couple quarters of tackling Foreman. If we control the, the ball and run a lot of plays, then uh, you bring Warren in in the third quarter and watch out because if that defense is tired or if they've slept out some second stringers in there, uh, you know, look out. He could hit a home run from anywhere on the field. Yeah, and of course we mentioned him last um, last week. I mean, just just welcome, uh, well, welcome to showing out Jacory Warwick. Uh, I mean, here's a kid. I mean, basically lost. Um, could have could have packed it in. Could have transferred. Um, you know, could have quit. Uh, just showed up. Kept working. Kept working. And then look at him now. I mean, basically. Uh, I mean, I mean he he is a big time contributor. And 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 I mean. My God, in the, in the open field, he, I mean, he's just turned into to a clutch receiver, and I think we're even going to continue to see big things um, out of Ja'Cory Ward. Yeah, he had the fumble there in the first quarter. I mean, he got hit from behind when he was going in. That can happen. But, um, man, you can just watch him and, and see see his athletic ability coming out. So, again, just um, props to Ja'Cory Ward for what, what he's done. I'm stepping up his um, Mike, senior year. So, go ahead. Mike, Mike uh, one comment on that. I mean, you know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's only been two games out of 12. Uh, but, um, you know, one thing, when the team exceeds expectations, how does it happen? It happens because guys that were nowhere to be found on any uh, preseason projections just start playing out of their minds. I mean, if you want to win a national title, you have to have that happen. Look back at 05, Billy Pittman out of nowhere. You know, he he starts going crazy in the Ohio State game, and it's like, what? The, where did this guy come from? Uh, not saying that we're, you know, on a national title path this year, but at the same time, you know, we, a lot of people said eight, nine wins. Uh, if, if guys like Warwick and Hurd and Hager and all these names that – uh, we weren't sure what they were going to contribute. If they keep really, uh, pro- uh, you know, projecting out to to big years, uh, that says a lot for where this team is headed. And you just mentioned the next kid. I'm going to mention Preckin uh, Hager. Um, he better hire him a good attorney because he's going to kill somebody out there for the years. Uh, good <laughs> Lord, uh, I mean, my God, he just goes full speed and destroys people. I mean, he plays with a wreck. I mean, just no holders barred. Doesn't care about his body. Um, I mean, and, and his, and, you know, he, he plays wild, but his first step from off the edge is, is pretty damn quick. The, the big offensive linemen are having a hell of a time handling, and, and then another one, um, the true freshman, Malcolm Roach. I mean, like you just said, we found two guys that, that you know, we thought would contribute a little bit, but, I mean, they're starting to show some, some big-time flashes, and I, to, be a, to be a really good team, You've got to have some guys step up like that that you that you haven't expected to do, and that's exactly what we're seeing. So that's kind of my my big performers um, for the week um, that I've seen step up. So I don't know if you've had some other guys that you want to go into real quick. We can sure do it. No, I mean I think you've you've nailed it. I think uh, you know I think a, a good sign for the rest of the team too is you know Charlie Strong is building something. We've talked about this for three years, and at first it was about getting guys who love ball, getting the the knuckleheads out of the program and it left us with zero depth and a lot of guys that just didn't bring a whole lot to the table. Um, but I think it starts to feed upon itself when you have guys that are stepping right in the new position, you know, new to the school, new to everything and they're contributing right away. Uh, it sends a message to the other guys that, you know, there's still guys on this roster that we've heard about that haven't really gotten their chance yet. 
uh, and you know that they're going to be, you know, chanting a bit to get out there, whether it's against Cal or in conference play, to start showing themselves. But it, I think it breeds confidence. You, know, you get those first few new guys out there, and they become big contributors. They let everybody else know, hey, I can do the same thing. It's just, I'm playing the same sport these guys are, so let me get out there and show something. Uh, and I just think yeah. there's been just a lot of positives when it comes to contributions, and I think it goes back to confirming what Charlie said he's going to do all along. He's finding guys that love ball, and he doesn't seem to uh, limit himself to you know a certain type of player when it comes to recruiting rankings. Uh, he's you know he seems so far to be a pretty good talent evaluator. I think as we look through these first couple of classes that were truly his, uh, and now what you start to look for you know, through this year and building for 2017 and 2018. But let's be real. I mean, we're this year, that's what we're playing for, is getting ready for 2017 and 2018. Uh, you're you're going to have to build more depth because, hell, I think I said it after the Notre Dame game, this team plays so damn physical, you're going to have to be too deep at every position because we're going to knock ourselves out in some positions yeah. uh, and have, have probably more injuries back than when we were, you know, paper mache soft there um, for a while. So um, I think now this year it's about that. It's about watching these guys that are young start to develop, and then, like you said, the offensive line, they get playing time, getting too deep everywhere. Uh, then you can unroll, you know, roll out this physical style of play, and it keeps being just as physical when the second stringers come in there to give the starters a breather, and that's when you can start doing really big things. Well, and, and, and you know, before we move on, you know, obviously, you know, Gilbert, the, the new offensive coordinator, uh, I mean, it's just it's slowly starting to click. And, you know, we, we've probably only barely touched on the surface of the playbook. I mean, we've got so many things coming. You know, Hurd's going to be back there and throw a pass with jet sweeps, um, the tempo. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I saw I – I rewatched the game um, several times. And I saw something very interesting. Gilbert has his headset. He's he's on the sideline, and you know, and they're signaling stuff in the shame. But I noticed there's another coach, and I, I don't know if he's a graduate assistant or something, on the sideline. And I, I didn't notice it against Notre Dame, but I noticed it against UTEP. He's really focusing on on the defense lining up. And I know he's talking to Gilbert on the headset. I don't know if he has a direct line to shame, but I was reading his lip. I slowed it down and watched it, and several times you could tell. He was screaming into the headset, tempo, 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 snap, snap, snap. So when the defense is in a certain deal, we, we go with the quick snap, and we've probably already got one or two, you know, plays already ready. Shane knows them, the offense will go. He probably calls out two, and boom, we run that play if the defense is in a, in a, in a, in a certain lineup or coverage. And if they're not in it, then, you know, he steps up the line, and he steps back, and then we, and then we take the signal and go from there. So, I mean, we're really starting to dictate to the defense now what we're doing. The defense does it. I mean, we're really setting the pace of the game. But I really noticed that, that this guy's on the sideline and he is only watching the defense. And several times he's just screaming, snap, 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 snap. So, I mean, that, he's giving them the signal that the defense is in a, in a look that we like for our predetermined call. Boom, let's go with it. And I think we're going to start seeing more and more of that as the, as the, the kids get – more and more use of the offense. And like I said, I think we've only scratched the surface of how good this offense can be. Um, you know, it, it's just amazing the upside in, in, uh, uh, of what this team can be, and they're so young. I mean, I, I know we're going to have some, some stumbling blocks along the way, but, I, I mean, I just I know what good football looks like, and I'm, I'm going to just keep saying it until it happens. Um, this team can beat every team on its schedule. Uh, I mean, I am not, I am not going to be shocked if I'm sitting here um, the week of Thanksgiving, and we're 11 and 0 going into going into the the the, the, um, the, the TCU game that Friday. Uh, or I wouldn't be surprised if we're eight and four or whatever. I'm just saying this team has the ability to beat every team on its schedule. I don't know if they will, but when we kick off, we should be able to know that hey, we can go beat this team. And like I said, we hadn't been able to say that in a long time. So well, let's move on to our, our next deal. Um, our first four in. It'll be pretty quick for me because. Um, I'm pretty much um, – mine are pretty much the same from last week. No losses, no change. So, I've got Iowa, uh, Ohio State. I almost said Iowa State. Good Lord, Mike, you've lost your mind. <laughs> Ohio State, Buckeyes. Um, Alabama, obviously. Um, Clemson and, and Florida State. Obviously, there's some potential 
for shakeup this week. You know, Ohio State goes to Norman. Florida State's got a tough one uh, with Louisville. Alabama's got Ole Miss. So we could see some shakeup this week. I don't know if we will or not, but that's my that's my first four still in. Um, it's early in the season, so that's the ones I'm going with right now. Well, I, on the other hand, have to make a change. Uh, thanks Uh-oh. for nothing, Gary Patterson. Um, <laughs> I had to keep you in the top four, and he lets Brett Bielema come into Texas, come into the Metroplex, and get a victory. I mean, that's uh, brutal for for recruiting for all of us, uh, yep. you know, to let that that pig come in here and uh, steal one. I mean, they they controlled most of that game. It got wild and wacky at the end, and we, we watched it out at the tailgate after the game was over, but – uh, that was disappointing, so they're gone. Uh, my other three currently are uh, Alabama and Stanford, and I am going to throw in the Michigan Wolverines as my fourth yep. pick. Um, I, I was really impressed. That Central Florida team that came to Ann Arbor last week uh, has a little something, and Michigan just annihilated them. Uh, yep. So I'm impressed with that. But that that said, I just want to put this out on the record. I I do not have the stones to pick a crazy upset in this game. But that Colorado plus 20 and a half line at Michigan uh, just jumped out at me. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I think that yep. game could be a lot closer than people think. Uh, Colorado looked damn good to me beating that terrible uh, Colorado State team. They beat a nobody, I think, Idaho or Idaho State last week. But they look like they're turning the corner, uh, so Michigan can't go to sleep on that game. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny you said that. That was one I was looking at, and I just said, "Ooh, that, that you know that new Colorado offense." You just, you just, you never know. Have a, you know? Yeah, it was it seemed like a big number as well. well let's jump into a few picks. Um, um, I guess one coming up here. I guess it's tomorrow night or is it Friday night? Houston at Cincinnati. Yeah, tomorrow night. I think this is a trap game uh, for Houston. Um, I don't know if they're completely healthy yet. They're still, I think they're still excited over the OU game. Obviously, you know, they played Lamar last week. Houston's about a seven-point favorite at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's 2-0. and um, This one's just, just got that Thursday night sniff. So, this is my upset special. Cincinnati, 38. Houston, 35. Yeah, I think this should be a fun little kickoff to the weekend. I'll probably try to get in front of the TV to watch this one tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon, I guess, since I'll be on California time. Um, I will yep. say Houston will pull it out 31-30, to 30, but, yeah, Cincinnati will cover the 7 or 7.5, whatever it is. One of my first four teams in, Florida State, Louisville, um, it's going to be an early kick. Man, that Louisville quarterback, he looks pretty darn good. Florida State looked like trash for a half, and then they turned it on last week. So I don't know which Florida State team could show up here. I could see Louisville jumping out three or four touchdowns, but I don't know if Florida State could recover. This one I've gone back and forth. Um, man, in our pick em contest, I picked Florida State, but I'm tempted to pick Louisville. But I think Florida State will have just enough on defense to get a stop or two. So I'm going to go Florida State 45, Louisville 42. Wow. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I think this is early in the day on Saturday, too. So, yeah, uh, nice is. way to start off the, the weekend uh, on Saturday. I, uh, I'm i a little poisoned on Florida State because I'll admit I watched only the first half of the on this game, and I fell asleep and missed the second half. So, in my mind, Florida State is one and one and pretty terrible. <laughs> so, I missed I miss them, you know, being world beaters. And I'm just going to stick with what I've seen. Um, I. Florida State's uh, also, I guess, freshman or redshirt freshman quarterback is uh, pretty solid. But, man, Louisville, they look like they got something rolling. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think that Louisville could jump out early, and I'm not quite sure I have faith in Florida State to answer on the road in what should be a completely insane atmosphere, even at 11 in the morning or noon in, in Louisville. So I'm going to take the Cardinals to win 38-34, to 34, holding off a late Florida State comeback, but uh, late interception deals with the Cardinals. And I'll let you start with this one because I know it's your favorite team. UCLA at BYU. What you think? Oh, God, UCLA on the road again. I'm going to stick with the winner and go BYU, BYU 30-14. to 14. I think last year I believe I lost my shirt on uh, – 
UCLA. I think UCLA played BYU in LA last year and just got stomped as a home favorite. So, yeah, when in doubt, pick against the Bruins. I'll take BYU. Big. Yeah, I've got BYU 31, um, UCLA 20. Um, UCLA is actually a three-point favorite on the road. I don't know. That just seems oh, wow. like, um, yeah, that just seems like good money to me. I, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't know about BYU. I just know they've got a 42-year-old quarterback by the name of Taysom, Taysom Hill still playing. That's all <laughs> I know about BYU. We know, so, we know what he can uh, do to. We know what he can yeah. do to teams. Yeah. And another interesting game, they're either going to be really pissed off or still reeling. Um, it's Pittsburgh at Oklahoma State. Pitt actually looked pretty good last week, pretty good running games. I don't remember their running back, but he looked really good. Oklahoma State's a six-point favorite. Uh, Oklahoma State's offense did not look good. I don't think this is going to be high scoring, but I think Oklahoma State's going to have just enough to win. I'm going to go Oklahoma State 27, Pittsburgh 24. Boy, I tell you what, if you're uh, – I don't know if Oklahoma State has another game uh, next week. I know Texas is off, but I'm not sure if you want Oklahoma State to lose again uh, or <laughs> if you want them to come into the Texas game already with two losses, but then they are going to be really backed up against the wall. But, yeah, I, I mean, everybody talks about the way that game ended and Oklahoma State got jobbed. And, I mean, even if they hadn't gotten jobbed, it was a freaking miracle, you know, that they gave up that Hail Mary, but – I mean, God, why the hell was that game so close with five seconds to go? Uh, they had no business being that close. I think that's a bad sign for Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah. You know, if this was first game of the year and it was 100 degrees in Stillwater, uh, maybe Pitt might fade a little bit. But we're in mid-September now, and I'm going to say Pitt comes out of Stillwater with the win. I will say 30 to 23. Another game, uh, Michigan State at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's about a seven-and-a-half, eight-point favorite, depending on the book. Um, I like Notre Dame to roll in this at home. Um, I think they they get it all going. I think Kaiser's going to have a big game. I'm going 34-13 Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to, uh, if you're if you're nervous about our game Saturday night, you want to watch this one first and. Hopefully you'll feel a lot better about our game because uh, I think Notre Dame is a really good team. And now, you know, they had the Nevada last week, which, you know, whatever, that was in between games uh, of importance. So I don't think they showed a whole lot. But Michigan State, obviously they've built a program that's always good. Uh, If Notre Dame comes out there and rolls Michigan State, I think we can all feel even better about uh, the big win in Austin. I think it will stay close early. Uh, maybe tied at the half, maybe tied at 17, something like that, and then Notre Dame will pull away. I'm going to say uh, Irish 38, uh, Michigan State 20. Man, I didn't realize there's a lot of good games this week. Texas A&M. Yes, there are. We're going to we're going to need to yeah. we're going to need to have a, our uh, our Google Maps working out uh, Berkeley sports bars for sure because there are a lot of good games. Well, we've already been invited invited to one um, by a few guys. They're going to be going to a place called Pappy's, so we'll we'll probably hit that up for sure. It's called Pappy's in Berkeley, so I'm sure we'll okay. we'll go there. A and M at Auburn. Auburn three and a half. A uh, and M has not been a um, a very good road team in the SEC. They haven't been a good road team. Um, this is their first real test. I mean, other than UCLA at home, um, Auburn. I just don't know what they have yet. But I think Auburn is going to win this game. Um, I'm going to go Auburn. I'm going to say Auburn 31, A&M 20. Yeah, this game is impossible for me to pick. Um, You know, Auburn played Clemson close, but then Clemson turned around and struggled with Troy. Uh, So you don't know if maybe Clemson's kind of sleepwalking through the early part of the year. A&M did look good early against UCLA and then tried to give it away late. Uh man, I, I really think this game comes down to the old uh the old uh guess I guess uh excuse that a predictor makes of it's just gonna come down to turnovers and <laughs> you can't predict it. Uh I think that on the road Trevor Knight throws an interception late, uh but this one's very close, probably a really good game. I'm gonna say Auburn twenty four, and M twenty three. And then our friends from Norman hosting the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, Ohio State's about a one-and-a-half point favorite, so basically a pick em, road team's a little um, favorite. Um, I, I don't know what to make of this. You know, you look at Bob Stoops' record up there in Norman. I mean, they have just been tremendous. I mean, they're like 60-something and three. Um, 
But this is just not a very good Oklahoma team. Um, you know, I, I just don't think they're very good. I think they came in highly overrated. Uh, I think they'll play with some emotion early, but I think at the end of the day, Ohio State's going to win by 10-plus. I'm going Ohio State 34, Oklahoma 24. Yeah, there's a lot of red flags to me on this game. The fact that, uh, you know, OU opened up as a favorite, which really surprised me. I saw OU guy tweet that on Sunday, I guess, and I thought, well, that can't yeah. be right. I really thought Ohio State would open favored. Uh, OU opened favored. It moved barely over to Ohio State. And from what I've read online, there's a ton of money coming in on Ohio State, but that line isn't moving. And that is a danger zone right there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I look at what Ohio State did to Tulsa. Tulsa, again, a team with a competent offense. Ohio State in a clear look-ahead position with OU looming. And they held Tulsa to seven. And to me, that I just can't get over that fact. That I mean, that that's what has me picking Ohio State. But I just wonder if this is going to be one of those games where we scratch our heads at the result and then look back and go, man, Vegas knew something. Because they, they seem to be begging yeah. for people to bet Ohio State. Uh, but yeah. regardless of all that, I'll take uh, the Buckeyes... 30-24. to 24. Another SEC matchup, um, Roll Tide at Old Miss Rebels, um, Alabama 10.5-point favorite. Last two years, um, Old Miss has handled them up there. I mean, it's going to be a night game. I just don't think Old Miss just has the, has the horses this year. Um, they've had some pretty good players the last few years. Alabama's kind of come in and overlooked them. Uh, I don't think Alabama is going to overlook Ole Miss this year. I, I think this is your Alabama um, rolls. Um, I'm going Alabama 38, Mississippi 17. Yeah, fortunately I don't keep records of all my picks because uh, that would be a sad thing to flip back through during the offseason. But I can, I'm pretty sure that the last two years I have been big on Alabama in this game. And, of course, Alabama is not only not covered, but they've straight up lost. But third yeah. time's a charm. I'm going to go <laughs> Alabama is just going to open up a can. I mean, Nick Saban is pissed off. He was mad during their oh, last yeah. game. He was mad in the press conference, and uh, he really wants this game, and I think he wants to send a message to the SEC that this race is over. And uh, when they put 50 on Ole Miss on Saturday and win 50-13, uh, to 13, that race in the SEC is going to be over. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it pretty much is. I don't see anybody in the East. I mean, Florida, you know, looks fairly good. Georgia, we know Georgia's going to go full Georgia. However they are, you know, they might be a little different with, with Kirby Smart. Uh, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting how this thing plays out because, I mean, you know, just now we're going to be kind of this general, you know, college football talk. Is obviously Michigan, Ohio State uh, are going to match up. You know, I could see, you know, the loser of that game may very well, that may be their only loss. So obviously we're going to get into that conversation, um, you know, down the road. And then obviously, you know, let's say Ohio State, you know, beats, you know, beats Michigan. So Michigan's 11-1, and one, Ohio State's undefeated. Ohio State loses in the Big Ten championship game. It gets upset. Now do you put Michigan in? Does Ohio State still get in with one loss? So you get into that conversation, you know, I think the pack is is effectively eliminated from the playoffs already. I mean, um, I mean, unless Stanford goes goes eleven and one, but I, I think Stanford's going to drop a game or two here or there. I may be wrong. And then the Big Twelve is basically done, other than us. So, what what I'm saying here is this may be a year that we have a conference get get two teams in. Um, the SEC maybe maybe Alabama grows into the big the SEC championship and Georgia upsets them, and you know, or something. So because the Big 12 and the Pack are hanging on. Maybe it's Clemson, Florida State, you know. Both of them are undefeated, and the only loss they have. And, you know, so it, it, that conversation is going to be real in about eight or nine, ten weeks. Um, because, um, you know, Texas, we could go 11-1. and one. You, know, you know, maybe if Oklahoma ran the table, uh, and, you know, they bounce back, beat Ohio State, they're 11-1. and one. Um, You know, maybe they squeak in and people forget the opening season loss, you know. Um, so, you know, there, it's going to be fun to watch out. But I, this could be a year that you either get a conference with two teams in or maybe a two-loss conference champion sneaks in. Um, it could be one or the other this year just based on the way it's looking. But, you know, right now the pack and the Big 12 are going to have to have some teams really go on a run um, because obviously you've got two really good teams with, with Clemson and Florida State 
one good, really good team with Alabama, and then you got two really good teams in, in the um, Big Ten. So, um, yeah, and don't uh, what are your thoughts? I know, it, I know it's real early. I know it's real early on those scenarios, but what are your thoughts on that, Matt? Well, you can't forget the wild card that could screw everything up, and that's Houston. If Houston runs the oh, table with a victory over Oklahoma, I, they probably are, but they yeah. are the fly in the ointment until they lose because sure. the yeah. thing the thing that's that really true. screws OU, OU can win out. If they need Houston to lose with the quickness because yeah. if OU wins out and Houston wins out, then Houston's getting in over them. I don't care. If they don't let Houston in over OU, uh, after that, then why do we even play college football? It's ridiculous. Um, so uh, I think I think that uh, I think that you know if you're in the Big Twelve, I know Mike, you hate having to wave the uh, Big Twelve pom poms, but uh, oh. if you got a team that's still in this thing, you need the Big Twelve to to book some wins because the only win worth a damn this conference has had so far is ours. Uh, and, yeah. and OU staring down a very difficult game at Ohio State. Now if OU beats Ohio State. Everything turns around again, and now, you know, Big 12, uh, they'll start talking about how, you know, Baylor's still going to be scoring 100 points a game until conference play. you got Texas OU looking good. You know, TCU has got to bounce back, uh, which I think they'll be okay. I, I think after watching TCU, I think they're probably a 9-3 and three type of team. Um, they'll still be good, yeah. but they're not going to be in the picture anymore. But, yeah, watch out for Houston. Um, they're, still, they're still a, a factor in this thing. No, no, they are, and then I mean, and I'm honestly, I am really looking forward to that Louisville game with them, man. That is going to be a good yeah. one with Louisville's quarter. I mean, that could be a 75-70 type game. It really could, because that that Louisville quarterback is special. He he's he's pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was listening uh, in Austin on Friday to the start of that Louisville Syracuse game. Uh, satellite radio had Syracuse announcers calling it, and I think. Louisville scored 14 points, if I'm not mistaken, in the first three minutes of the game. And the Syracuse announcers were just, I mean, they were stunned. They were literally speechless uh, after the second touchdown. Just They didn't know what freight train had just rolled through the carrier down. Yeah, I know. I got into several lengthy um, thread discussions on, 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 on Big 12 rooting um, this week on several message boards. And, you know, I, I mean – I just, I just, I just can't do it. I know, I know it probably. It just, it just, it's just. I know. I just. I mean, and I'm not mad at people that want to wave the big. I get the argument. I understand it, but but see, you know, for me, you know, just because Aggie calls it the little twelve and it sucks doesn't make it true. I mean, it does. I don't. I don't really care. I'm just, you know, if we go eleven and one, and I don't know. I don't care who the one law. We lose Oklahoma. We lose Oklahoma State, or if we lose the Kansas, it doesn't matter. If we're eleven and one, and you know, and we get left out. You know, I, I guess I guess I'll have to reevaluate and, and and look at it. I mean, the problem we have is is you got five conferences before playoff spots. That's that's what they really need to solve. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess if we go eleven and one and, and we get left out, if they let two big team, Big Ten teams in or two SE, then I guess then I guess we'll have to reevaluate. But I'm convinced that that happens if we're eleven and one this year, next year, or whatever, and we don't make the playoffs. Texas is leaving the Big Twelve, so it's going to get solved. We're not going to—I mean, we're not going to stand pat and let that happen again. They may—they may bend us over once, but they're not going to bend us twice. I mean, I just don't think we're that stupid. So, it, it, but I mean. I just can't wave the flag. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I can't change my stripes. I really don't care, you know. But I guess, you know. Well, and, so you know, Mike, got Mike the, the, thing, Go ahead. the thing is, for people that are listening, if they disagree with you, the thing about you, Mike, though, is that you're consistent. I don't think that you would wave the flag even if Texas moved to the SEC or the Pac-12. You're about Texas, and, and I think your take on it really would be if we were in a scenario, say, next year we go 11-1 and and don't make it in, the question you ask is not why didn't we get in, it's why didn't we lose that one. Because if Texas goes right. undefeated, they're getting in no matter what. I don't care if we play in the freaking Sun Belt. We're getting into the playoffs right. if we're undefeated. So why – I mean, you know, you go back, not to bring up old wounds, but you go back to 08, hey, if we beat Tex, it doesn't matter. So, you know, take care of business. Win your 12 games that are on your schedule. And, yeah, you can argue and fight with the other one-loss teams, but there's one way to solve that argument without any doubt, and that's still win all your games. 
Well, yeah, let's say next year, two years, hypothetically, we, we made the move to the SEC. And let's say we were, were finishing second or third or, or middle of the pack a couple of years or whatever, and Alabama, or I don't care which team in the SEC was the top dog. And, and we're out of the race and or whatever. I'm rooting for every other team to fail. I, I can't. I'm not rooting for a rival. I'm not rooting for OU to beat Ohio State because ooh, we may be 11 and one and get left out. And we need we need Oklahoma sucks to win a game. Now other people want to do that. Great, do it. Wave the fan. It's just not me. Like I'm consistent with it. If we get left out, then then we get left out. Then I'll say, well, we should have went 12 and 0. So. I mean, this conference pride thing, it's just not my cup of tea. I'm sorry. I know I get killed on threads on it, and I don't care. I'll just I'll, – I'm fine with it, but, you know, it is what it is. But we're in 55 minutes. We're actually right on time tonight. That's a good thing. So uh, I want to take, thank Jim McGill again and the, and the people over at BearInsider.com for coming on. Um, I really do appreciate it. They were very gracious to me. Um, um, they're they're going to – they had the link live over at their site tonight, so I'm glad all the Cal listeners that tuned in, um, um, all the Longhorn Nation that's traveling out to Cal, let's go out there and get us a win, and most of all, let's represent our, our team, ourselves, and our university respectfully, regardless of how um, the game turns out. Um, let's go out there, represent well, be respectable, and, and, and have a good time. So with that said, Matt, tell the listeners where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Tailgaters. That's at Tailgaters, no spaces, no hyphen. Yep, I'll uh, try to live tweet as much as possible. The trip for me starts about 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. And uh, I apologize in advance for the F words that might come out of Twitter uh, watching these damn San Francisco Giants uh, peter out towards the end of the uh, baseball season. I will. I'm just warning you right now, Big Mike. I'm going to be in a salty, salty mood on Friday night at AT&T. This team is pissing me off. Well, I, I can understand, and, and I, you know, I haven't even brought up the Astros because we're done. It's okay. Um, it just it didn't materialize. The pitching is horrible. And I'll say this: you know, I always banty back and forth with the Ranger fans, but you know, unlike most of them. Um, I can actually say, and I've said it, the Rangers are the best team. The Rangers have a legitimate shot to get to the World Series, and, and hell, they've, they've got a chance to win it. Their lineup's pretty salty. Um, it's, you know, it could be the other, the Cubs are going to be a tough out for anybody, though. Um, so, yeah, my hat's off to the Rangers. They, they've got our number. Uh, we can't beat them, man. They just, we don't have the pitching, and, and they've got a few better hitters than we've got right now. So, it is, it is what it is. But with that said, y'all can find me on Twitter at MBHornFan. Always remember the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns. Check me out on Twitter. I'm going to be live tweeting all weekend from about noon on Friday. I'll be landing in Oakland. I'll be tweeting out pictures and stuff all about California as well. And I think, Matt, you're going to like our takeout music tonight. I'm going to let you listen for a moment, but I think you're going to probably know who this is. Off the request line. This is good old
the truck out for a van Gonna hit the road, find the end of that long white line with a three-piece band You won't hear my song on the radio, see me on the CMA But you can always find me in a smoky bar with that sound and a dim-lit stand Cause that's the way it goes, and this day 